the last of the Beatitudes has to do with uh, persecution. And uh, we're going to take a look at it very carefully in these next few minutes. Matthew 5.11, blessed are you when people insult you. Somebody say amen. How many of you have been insulted last week? All right, just last week. Go ahead and get your hand up. You know, if it really matters to you, just kind of hang around outside in the lobby and uh, we'll see if we can't get somebody to insult you a little bit. Uh, blessed are you when people persecute you. Well, we, don't, we don't know what that means in America. Blessed are you when people falsely say all kinds of evil against you. And then here is the clincher. All of that because of me. When it's done because of me, does it count when people just insult you because they don't like you? Not really. Does it count if they persecute you just because, you know, they think you're a snake in the grass? Doesn't count. Here's when it counts. It's those last few words, because of me. As a matter of fact, think with me for a moment. The last time anything really bad happened to you because of him. Just think about it. You know, a cashier wouldn't take your money at some grocery store because, hey, you're a Christian. You say, well, I, I can't really think of a time that I, any of those happened because of my relationship with Jesus. You might take a little different angle before it's over, but I can say to you that there are those today on the planet that all of these things and more are taking place in their lives simply because of their love for Jesus Christ. You see, the most persecuted religion, and I use that term loosely, but it's a term the world understands, is Christianity. We understand that. The International Society for Human Rights, a secular organization, says 80% of all religious freedoms violations in the world today are directed against Christians. Now, if I pause there and I ask this question, how much of that pie would that be true here in America? And how much of that pie would it be true in Syria, in Turkey, in Iraq, in North Korea, in Russia? If you were to be rational, rational and reasonable you might take a look and find out that America would have a very small piece of that pie. That the majority of it, for example, in China, would take place in those parts of, of the world. And you might ask yourself, well, why? Why? As we flow through this message, as we flow this message, maybe you'll come up with an answer. You see, in our history, 2,000 years ago, Christianity and the Christian church was under persecution. The first 300 years, it was illegal to be a Christian in the Roman Empire, just flat out illegal. Nero was feeding Christians, we read about it, feeding Christians to lions. He was placing tar on them and a lighter fluid and lighting them up and burning them for nothing more than just their faith. Just their faith. Why, God? Why, are we, why do you seem to favor us and, and not them under the circumstances? 
And you and I are not aware, nor is the world aware, of that type of cleansing that's taking place in Christianity today. We're just not aware of it. It's not reported. It's not something that comes out and is brought to the public's attention. Not even on what you might consider the mighty Fox News. They don't bring stuff like that out as a part of the news. It's not understood. There's a reason why, however, that that is taking place. Since the resurrection 2,000 years ago, about 70 million believers who were solid believers in Jesus Christ died by mistake. No, died because of their faith in Jesus Christ. Meaning, as I discovered that, it's a one-on-one meeting in which they were, they were asked to deny their faith to give up their faith, to curse Jesus, curse Jehovah, and they would not do it. You say, wow, what kind of, what kind of core relationship would you have to have for that to be true of any of us, of any of us? And if, as in China today, how many of us, if there were churches that were licensed as churches, in China, licensed churches by the government, then which, how many of us would say, oh, but I choose to go to an underground church? An underground church, not licensed, is illegal. I think I want to go to that church. Why? Because that's the church that is preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ and say, man must be born again. Otherwise, if he does not know Jesus Christ, and does not confess his sin, he cannot go to heaven. That is an unlicensed church that has to hide underground. So you see, the devil is not against church, so to speak, unless it's a church that preaches and teaches about Jesus Christ. Then how is it in the discovery of this message then how is it that we are persecuted? And I'm going to get to a word in a moment that is not persecution, but is pressure. Do we as Americans and our culture and our nation, do we feel pressure from the enemy to not share our faith boldly? Who seems to always be in the batter's box when it comes to flaunting their wares of disbelief, antichrist behavior, and core knowledge of Scripture that says it's bad. It's an unbelieving, unbelieving world. What most of us do not know is that half of the number of 70 million believers who have died for their faith, half of that, half of that number, 35 million, died in the last 100 years. What does that say? It says that things as time now progresses is getting greater and greater and greater when push is coming to shove. And right now the fuel of the Antichrist spirit is being fueled by the powers of darkness and Satan himself. And it, my friend, is coming to the shores of the United States of America. It is a spirit. A spirit. Iraq used to be 1.3 million Christians in Iraq, and that was in the first Gulf War. But since that time, there are only now 100,000 Christians in the nation of Iraq. Used to be 1.3 million, but that has digressed because they left or they were slaughtered and recanted their faith, some of them. 
The current estimate is there are probably 70,000 Christians in prison in desperate circumstances in North Korea right now suffering, suffering persecution, starvation, 70,000 because of their faith. And almost every five minutes on the planet, one Christian dies every five minutes because of their faith. So who do you know that's died because of their faith? What's their name? What relative do you have that you know they died because of their faith? Chances are you would find it difficult to come up with one name. So what do we do? What's our responsibility? How do we manage through that? Well, I can tell right now this is going to be a gloom and doom message. No, it's going to be an honest, upfront, truthful message. But it's going to prepare us for an opportunity to be able to understand how we are affected, though in a subtle way right now in America, through the power of pressure, hour upon hour. We understand that that bringing information to you as a result of this beatitude is something that's important here's a book you may want to remember it the global war on christians if you just write that down the global war on christians it's a very interesting read i didn't get the book until preparation of this message i have two of them in my office it will enlighten you as to what's happening right now on the planet as it relates to christians who are who are facing persecution insult injury and death right now the global war on christians that's the first thing. We have to be informed. We have to find out what's going on, and then we have to pray, and then, of course, we have to give. That's one of the reasons we support, we support missions. You mentioned earlier in the announcements, the Light for the Lost banquet, that's coming up pretty soon. The whole purpose of that banquet is to provide material and provide Bibles and to provide truth in dark places around this world to give them the gospel of Jesus Christ to share it with them. The difference in America, most everyone has a Bible. Many people don't know where it's at, but we at least have one and we have opportunity to hear the truth. And the reality is we don't listen to the truth in the culture of America. And yet there are those today that would cherish a Bible almost with their very life. Light for the Lost is one of those opportunities. And you'll have the privilege to be a part of that coming up pretty soon that we distribute material that talks about the freedom and the love of Jesus Christ. So here's a little video. You take a look at it and see what you think about what's happening around the world, and then we'll proceed forward. So take a look at this little video, please. They sing, Baby Jesus is Sleeping in the Hay. To us, they look like children performing for their congregation. But to the Chinese authorities, they are criminals. Because this is an underground house church, so-called because they meet without state approval. They let us in to take these pictures to show both faith and defiance, while this congregation bravely shared with us what happens when the authorities find the faithful. The police called us evil and arrested us for illegal assembly, she explains. Chinese-born American Sam Chow works in China for religious freedom. 
and researched the dangers faced by underground church worshipers. I interviewed maybe 40, 50 people. Uh, every one of them were beaten and uh, jailed and uh, harassed. When Mao Zedong took power, he banned religion. Communism was the new faith. These days, the state allows churches, but worshipers must register with police. And yet, look at the faces. Some of the young people, even here. They've grown up in a society where the moral imperative is make money and get ahead. Uh, and that doesn't take you very far. People here are discovering perhaps a simple truth, that money alone isn't bringing happiness. So hundreds of millions of Chinese, their numbers growing every day, are seeking something more. So even traditional Eastern religions like Buddhism are flourishing again, but none like the underground Christians. In this village, they were even building their own church until, as this cell phone video shows, the authorities knocked it down. In China, it was once easy to know what to believe in, the Communist Party. Those days may be gone for good, as a new generation learns how to find and keep its own faith. Barry Peterson, CBS News, Beijing. Extraordinary scenes of defiance in the middle of the night. A church congregation barricading themselves in from hundreds of riot police. It's happening in Wenzhou, known as the Jerusalem of China, where for months the government has demolished scores of churches and torn down hundreds of crosses. What the government here is doing is so barbaric. Today we've seen the fundamental symbol of our faith violated and hurts us deep inside our hearts. Chen Jiai is a respected church leader in Wenzhou. He says the faithful now live in fear. In this amateur video obtained by CNN and in the Salvation Church security camera footage, police brutally beat the faithful and drag them away. Still, Christians here aren't backing down. For more than two months, they've had people here day and night, 24-7, guarding the gates of this church to stop the Communist Party from coming in and tearing down their cross. I'm going to hold the cross in my arms and protect it, says this man. We didn't steal, we didn't rob, we didn't take drugs. What did we do? Through state media, local authorities say they are targeting all illegal structures. But party documents show that churches are a focus. Church leaders say their crime was to become too numerous, too intimidating for a party long suspicious of the faithful. Recent research shows that there could soon be more Christians than Communist Party members. And in 15 years, more Christians in China than anywhere else. Facts disputed by the party. Chen says that Christians have no interest in politics, but he has a warning. The law enforcers are breaking the law themselves. If they keep doing things this way, there is a saying, those who play with fire will get burned. After violent clashes, Salvation Church members pushed back the police. But they came back with reinforcements several weeks later and stripped the church of its cross. Still, the devout say they won't stop believing here because their faith 
is too strong. So that uh, is reality. You have to ask yourself, or you might consider, how could I survive in a situation of that nature? Would it be easier just to go somewhere which might be a place of worship rather than picking a place that declares the name of Jesus Christ? The statement by CNN in that report, there may be more Christians before long in China than there are those of the communist persuasion. In every case where Christians have suffered and been persecuted, the blood of those who have been slain has risen up and brought convert by convert by convert because even though a believer may die, if they die because of the name of Jesus Christ, God's blood, Jesus' blood will not be denied. Amen? Now think, how does that affect us? Hebrews 13, 3, we're going to move. Remember those who are in prison as uh, if you were in prison with them, and remember those who are suffering as if you're suffering with them. So I, I have to say, all right, based on that, that can be an American prison, that can be frostproof, that can be up in Polk City, that can be up in Wildwood at a federal penitentiary there. But it also means specifically in the day that this was written, it related to those who are in prison for their faith, individuals that had been tortured. 300 years of the church, we know that it was illegal to be a Christian, so they're talking about imprisoning them. Anyone in our culture who thinks that being a Christian, I mean a true follower of Jesus Christ is for the weak, would be sadly mistaken. 2 Timothy 3, verse 12, anyone who belongs to Christ Jesus and wants to live right, get this now, will have trouble from others. Well, then I cannot comprehend, as I'm just speaking to you out of my heart, then where is the trouble for me as an American? I get up, come into church, come and go as I please, preach from this pulpit, you sing worship. Where is the trouble that we are receiving as a result of our faith? And I submit to you that if you're looking for trouble just for someone to take a ball bat and come after you, that's not going to happen. And it hasn't happened yet. Yet, yet, but the wave that's taking place in the Middle East and the transference of populations, ISIS, let me mention that, is not just a militant group of individuals who have decided to have their way. ISIS and the heart and spirit of ISIS, my friend, is born right out of the pit of hell. That is an absolute clear-cut manifestation of the evidence of the power of Satan himself demonstrated in their actions. We've talked on several subjects in the Beatitudes, humility and integrity and reconcile relationships. But it's the point now on this message, we talk about the harassment of our faith. No one's going to take a ball bat, but here it is. There is a pressure that is taking place in our culture in America today, though we may not be openly being persecuted, we are being pressured. Where does the influence, where does the influence of American culture come from? I will submit to you that what happens on the West Coast often begins to make its way over to the East Coast. 
The West Coast, of course, is the place that's known as the ivory tower of entertainment. We know that on the East Coast, of course, you find yourself in New York City with the vast majority of cultures today. That vast majority of culture that is there is not a culture of a religious nature of loving Jesus. And whatever is birthed out of the West Coast, spun out of the newsreels and the movie reels of the culture of the movie industry, they make their point in a very subtle way. Watch if you ever watch some of the movies. Movies and take a look. If it is a movie that will not will not come right out and say this movie is about homosexual behavior and gives an okay to a man marrying a man, a woman marrying a woman, and that movie makes that play for it and it tells the story and a young person sits there and watches it. What has if a picture is more than a thousand words? How do they influence the minds of individuals? God is never mentioned, but that kind of thinking is moved through the process of movie making and then they say well it must be the way that it is and if you don't agree with that you are you are not being politically correct you are being a racist you are being a person that's anti-neighborly you're being a person that's being obnoxious and you should not do that that is the pressure that we feel in our culture today so how do we combat that how do we fight that several things. There's another pressure, for example, as Christians, we, we have to behave in, in integrity. When others are around the water cooler doing all the things, that don't, or the coffee pot, or whatever it is, and making nasty remarks and jokes or gossiping and whatever, we feel the pressure. Do we ever speak up? Most of the time, not. We just say, ah, that's them. If you're the light of the world, where in the world is the light? If we are the salt of the earth, then when does the salt show up? I think our greatest weapon is the power of prayer. It is information and walking in the anointing of Jesus Christ. Here's point number one. Opposition can make us more like Jesus. John 15, verse 18, when the world hates you, remember it hated me first. The world would love you if you belong to it, but you don't. I choose you out of the world. That's chose you out of the world. That's why the world will hate you. No servant is ever greater than his master. So since they persecuted me, they will persecute you. That is not persecution that we feel right now. We feel pressure. I want to be more like Jesus. Then you're going to have opportunities to be able to let your testimony shine and what you believe through being a light in the midst of darkness and being the salt that needs to take a place of making relationship through salt. Say, we want to manifest life because salt preserves and perseveres. John 3, 19, the light from heaven came to the world, but people love their darkness more than the light because it hides their evil action. So if you're in a dark room and you've been in a dark room for a while and your eyes are in the midst of that darkness and you're a dozing, someone walks up to you with a flashlight, I mean a big old illumination light and shines it right in your face, what do you usually do? You respond, oh man, I'll tell you what, I appreciate you doing that. No, what you want to do is take your fist and you don't get that light out of my face, I'm going to send you into orbit. Somebody wakes you up out of a nap. Hello? Hey, wake up, wake up. You don't say, oh, thank you for waking me up. You say, what in the world? Have you lost your ever-loving mind? I was asleep. 
So the world loves its darkness. It does. The world loves its darkness. And so we find that you and I are the light of the world. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And you understand that people that are steeped in darkness, they don't want to hear the truth. And the culture says, hey, well, I'm a Christian. But since I'm a Christian, I want to try to be politically correct. Let me just stop right there. There is no way, if you're an absolute follower of Jesus Christ, if you find yourself more concerned about you being politically correct, you will have a light that will be so weak, no one will ever see it. You don't have to be obnoxious. Well, I believe I can be a Christian and I can just get along with everybody. If your desire is to get along with everybody, you have a desire that Jesus did not have. Why? Because when you stand for the core of who you are and you stand for the Word of God and you speak up in love, when God's name is taken in vain, my friend, you are not going to be the most popular person in the office. Let me move on. 1 Peter 4. If you're abused because of Christ, count yourself fortunate. It is the Spirit of God and His glory in you that brought you to the notice of, uh, what was it? It is the Spirit of God and His glory in you that brought you to the notice of others. Number two, opposition will deepen your faith. And you know where I find a lot of opposition? I call it easy opposition. Often it's right there in your own little Christian community. Hello? You see, our faith grows as a result of functioning. Our faith grows when we are opposed or pressured. You can sit at your desk and sit in the chair and eat popcorn and have hot fudge Sunday, and you're not stretching any muscle. You know you're stretching muscle when you're sore. You get up, and if you don't have any opposition, then your faith is not growing. It's not being strengthened. And if you run from opposition because you want to be so politically correct, there will be no truth that will ever be declared. People right now, every five minutes, are dying. Not just being slapped around, dying because of their faith with a gun to their head or their spouse or their children. It's happening in Syria right now. Every five minutes. What is the American church for? What do we do? First Peter 1, 7. These troubles, this pressure will prove that your faith is genuine. Just as gold is purified by fire and heat, so your faith, which is far more precious than gold, must also be purified by the fire and that it may endure, endure. Then you'll receive praise and glory and honor on the day, on the day, not until on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. Opposition will give you eternal rewards. If there's no opposition, if there is no pressure that you respond to, you're going to miss out on the rewards that God has. So here is the basic text of our beatitude. God bless those who are persecuted because they live for me, because they live for God. The kingdom of heaven will be theirs. 
You will be blessed or happy when people insult you, persecute you, falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. In other words, if in fact that kind of persecution faced the prophets, it faced Jesus, it faced the disciples, what's so special about us that we should not have to face it? But listen carefully now. The time is coming when your grandchildren, if the Lord tarries, is going to face more influence of darkness than you ever faced. Ever. Because as time moves on, and may we pray, Lord Jesus, come quickly. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. And as, in fact, populations of people are moving in different directions into different countries, and as that population begins to make its transition to other places, carrying with it a belief system, and certainly most of the time it is not a Christian belief system. And those that get in power that have no Christian belief system that does not lock on to Christian core values, you will find seats on the Supreme Court of the United States of individuals right now who do not have a biblical value system that relates to the simplicity of this book. And we say, well, according to the law, the highest law known to man is right here. It is the book. We, the church, have to declare that. How wonderful is that? Don't be surprised when you are opposed don't be surprised. You should not expect the world to support your decision to follow Jesus Christ. 1 Peter 4.12, dear friends, don't be surprised or shocked when you go through painful trials that are like walking through fire as though something unusual is happening. I asked Beth Grant, who spoke at our women's conference yesterday, David was with her. I said, David, David is a wonderful person, but there must be something bothering him. She said to me, Wayne, since he was imprisoned in India, he gave his life for India and the Indian people. He and Mother Teresa had a wonderful relationship in India. But while he was in prison, and now that he's out of prison, and should he go back to India, that fear, will it happen again? And his opposition, as he understands and tells the story, was not from militia who were satanic. His opposition came from other Christians who did not want him in the country. She said something happened. So we're going to pray. 
She said, oh, he's fine, but just that experience. And I think to myself, every five minutes, someone is, someone is, is, life is being taken as a result of it. I think, God, you said in this world you will have tribulation. Tribulation. Of what does tribulation? The day of tribulation is coming, but I don't want to be surprised. I know, I know that tribulation, the time of tribulation period is coming. I believe, we believe that the rapture of the church will take place before that time. But listen, the tribulation is not just going to be bam, it's the tribulation. The enemy will subtly move our culture and the culture of this world into a place to where the tribulation will easily take place and hardly be recognized other than that which is considered routine when it does happen. And already, already in our culture and the culture around, when I can go to Amsterdam and walk out of the airport and walk down one of the streets and there stands a prostitute in a show glass window and all you have to do is go in and pay a certain amount as she stands there with her red lipstick on saying, I'm available. If you come in, you can buy me. You can buy an hour. You can buy two hours. And that is not against the law to be able to do that. There is something wrong my friend, in the world in which we live. There's something terribly wrong. Don't be afraid. We don't have to run because of fear. Perfect love casteth out all fear. Spiritually healthy people are not afraid of rejection. Spiritually healthy people aren't afraid of disapproval. Spiritually healthy people don't need everybody's approval. If you're living your life and saying, I just need everybody's approval, give it up, friend. You're going to be one miserable wretch. 1 Peter 3, 13, if you suffer for doing what is right, God will reward you for it. So don't be afraid. Don't worry. Instead, worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if you are asked about your Christian hope, always be ready to explain it. Two key words, worry and worship. They are not cousins. They are not related. Worry is when, God, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't understand this. I can't handle this. What else is going to happen? Worship says, I don't care what happens. I know whom I believe. I'm going to worship God in the good and in the bad. And God, I'm not going to let the enemy create a life that I'm going to walk out in fear and feel like I'm going to be persecuted or somebody is not going to like me. As long as you approve of me, then I'm okay with it, God. I'm going to enjoy my relationship in serving Jesus Christ. 1 Peter 5, 9, take a firm stand against Satan and be strong in your faith. And remember that your Christian brothers and sisters all over the world are going through the same kind of suffering that you are. Hebrews 11, that great chapter of Hall of Fame for God's people, they were not intimidated, nor did they allow anyone to intimidate them as a result of their faith. 1 Peter 3, 17, remember it's better to suffer for doing God's will than to suffer <coughs> for doing evil. The source of opposition. What is the source of opposition? It's not other people, though I'd like to, other people you can get at. You know what I'm saying? If you're trying to live a godly life, if you're trying to be blameless, 
If you're trying to let your light shine and not be obnoxious and not be rude, all the rest of y'all going to hell if you don't get right with God, don't do that. I'm going to be the only one that's going to go to heaven. Don't do that. But if you're living right and people that you know, know. Man, they walk what they preach. Yeah, I go to church. Why do you go? Well, I, know, I thought everybody was supposed to go to church. You want to go with me? Yeah, sure. I'm, I honor God in my devotions. What are you doing? You reading about it? Yeah, I was reading another book here. Here's one on Simplify. That's wonderful. Well, what does that mean? Well, I'm in a, I'm in a small group at my church. You are? Why do you waste all your time doing that? Here it is. The source of your problem comes from one source. And it works through circumstance. And it works through people. And it works through relationship. And it is the power of darkness bringing an influence into your community. The enemy will tempt you. If you get to the place that you say, I just lose my temper all the time. I just lose it all the time. Let me share with you. Do not waste time and say, I'm going to take three aspirins and go to my physician while I'm losing my temper. Let me tell you something. Get along with Jesus and let the sweetness of the Holy Spirit sweeten you up. Amen? And then if you really want to whip it, make yourself accountable to somebody that you lose your temper to and say, if I lose my temper again, I want you to say something to me. I want you to bring me into accountability so I will not do it. You can find a way. Why do you do that? Because that sometimes is the influence of the enemy. If you, this morning I was uh, at my desk and, uh, and so I, I have a stack of books on the corner of my desk and it's kind of like a pyramid and I just keep kind of stacking them up there. And I'm on my desk this morning studying and praying and reading and going over notes and everything else. And all of a sudden, now that, st that stack of books has been there and there was no earthquake. I didn't move the desk. I was not getting up, putting pressure on anything. All of a sudden, that stack of books just fell right on the floor. I thought, well, that, that's, that's, that's crazy. You know, that's just kind of nutty. I didn't, I didn't push it like that. It's been there all that time, but it just fell. <laughs> and then my file cabinet drawer in my desk, the whole file cabinet drawer just opened on its own. I thought, You, you can't hide in my office. I, I begin to look around and saying, you know what? What in the world is what in the world is going on here? This, this is not. This is just getting a little spooky. Hello, how many understand that? I didn't jump under my desk. And say there's a devil in here because I was the only one in there. <laughs> there's a spirit in here. But I want to bring to your attention something we don't often talk about. The influence of evil can be at times very tangible. If something comes at you out of nowhere that you cannot explain, then it's time to get on your knees and say, God, I'm not going to be afraid 
But I'm going to ask you to step to the plate and help me deal with this in Jesus' name. You see, Satan would love to get at God. How many of you know he tried, but he failed? So you know what? If you want to get at a parent, what's the best way to get at them? Go get their ugly little kid. Hello? Sick your kid who's five years older on their kid. Hello? You think that'd get mom's attention? Sure. So that's how the devil works. He said, I tried God. I tried Jesus. That didn't work. So I'm going to get at his kid. So he's going to come after you. He's going to do everything he can to confuse you, but be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And when you feel that oppressiveness of the enemy, I told Sharon not long ago, let me tell you what this is, Sharon. This is nothing but the work of the enemy endeavoring to interfere in this situation. And we have the power and the ability to rebuke the devil and tell him to get lost and, in fact, get behind us. Amen? Just get behind us. Ephesians. 612 we're not fighting against human beings but against wicked spiritual forces in heavenly realms Paul gives instruction in 2 Timothy 2 here it is under uh, under the uh, international version stay away from stupid and senseless arguments these only lead to trouble. God's servants must never quarrel. Instead, be kind to everyone. Be patient. Be humble when you correct people who oppose you. They've been trapped by the devil, and he makes them obey him. But God may help them escape if you, in fact, are nice. How wonderful, how wonderful is that? And we have a wonderful illustration in the midst of darkness. Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. First Peter 2, when they hurled insults at him, Jesus did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted, he entrusted himself to God who justifies. Refuse to retaliate. Somebody comes up and curses you out. And you look around, and as far as you can tell, it's just the two of you. Then you might say, I'm barely sanctified. And on this one, I'm going to ram my fist down your throat. Somebody said, why would you say that? Because there are far too many Christians that that's how they think. Well, what am I supposed to do? I don't know. What about turning your other cheek? Hello? What about turning your other cheek? Bless you when people insult you, persecute you, falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets, they're to persecute you. Romans 12, Paul writes, never pay back evil with more evil. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. So I want you to notice something. When you see riots in the streets of America, and people are burning cars, crashing windows, 
riding and stealing, hurting people, spitting in the face of police, throwing firebombs at them, that for any cause is not of God. As a matter of fact, you will never find in the Bible where true followers of Jesus behaved in that manner. Well, then how are we going to manage it? If that's how an unbelieving world, if we have a rally that says, hey, we, we, are, we don't believe in abortion, and that argument is getting weaker and weaker and weaker, even in Christian circles, We don't believe in it, but, but a person has their own right to choose. Was well, that right? Teach your kid that. You have your own right to choose. Son, you're 13 years of age, and you got all the little, you got all the little spirits moving in you. I mean, if you want to go out with, with a little friend of yours at school, come just be back at 11 o'clock tonight. Where are you going to be, son? Oh, you don't want to tell me? That's good. I don't need to know. I don't need to know. No, no, the point is we all have to be accountable to our Christian faith and the core of who we are. Never avenge yourselves. Leave that to God. So 1 Peter 4, 19, those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. Here's three points. Here we go. We're sliding into home base. Are you ready? Not so fast. (laughs) Three kinds of suffering. One is the common, one is carnal, and one is Christian. Common suffering is this. It's when you live on a river's edge or you live on the coast and a hurricane comes and the storm is about 125 miles an hour with a surf and surge of wind and rain and waves from the ocean is 30 feet high and you're 100 yards from the ocean shore and your place is ground level. Common suffering is this. Your house ain't going to look like it did before that happened, if it's still there. That's common suffering. Tornado comes through, tears your house up, that's common suffering. That's suffering. Carnal suffering is when you say, I'm going to live like I want to, and I think I'm going to go out here, and uh, I'm going to have unprotected sex with anybody that I want to. And all of a sudden, you go to the doctor, and the doctor says, listen, Here's a long list of diseases that you have because you have been stupid in your behavior. That is carnal suffering. Or you go and decide to rob Walmart and somebody takes you out in the parking lot, and that's carnal suffering. You, your sins will find you out. Christian suffering is what we're talking about. It's when the suffering or pressure of a Christian and you're suffering because of God's will. It's not carnal. It's not common, but it's Christian. Why? Why does God allow that to happen? Because God's more interested in your character than he is your comfort. 
And so those are Christian sufferings. And we all ought to feel that pressure. We ought to feel that pressure as a result of our faith. Finally, respond with a blessing. Do not overcome by evil. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. You let your light shine. You let the love of Jesus shine through. You let the salt of the earth be blessed through you. Luke 6, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. If someone slaps you on the cheek, turn the other cheek. What do we do? How do we as the American church respond? Syria, North Korea, China, Russia, Turkey, Iran, Iraq, Czechoslovakia, all of those places have suffering people because of their faith. What do we do? We ramp our prayers up. We become active in the prayer to pray for those as if we're in prison with them. Number two, we live our life in such a way that no one can deny that we are followers of Jesus Christ with integrity. Amen? With integrity. With integrity. I'm integral. Whether you're in town, out of town, you live a life of integrity for Jesus. You don't, you don't not curse in church. Hopefully you don't. I probably tempted some of you sometime. But you don't, you don't go on a trip with someone and curse like a sailor and then talk about how good God is. It's not integral. You don't blow up just because my daddy had a temper, your daddy, her daddy had a temper. What's her daddy got to do with your temper? But you live integrally at peace with everyone. And then you feel the pressure. And when you see it, <coughs> when you see the subtle pressure of darkness coming our way that is already embedded in media, and I'm, I'm not saying media because of the president or anyone else. I'm saying to you that the message that we hear always has a slant that is self-serving and most of the time does not exalt the name of Jesus Christ. <coughs> it does not. So here we sit. Let's live for God. Let's believe God, that God is going to bring a mighty move of his spirit into our world amen. and that we are going to see his soon return amen would you stand amen <coughs> father we thank you and we praise you blessed are those that are persecuted and maligned and talked about and ridiculed for my sake you said for your sake Though we cannot see the persecution, we see the pressure of darkness trying to impede the progress of the church. We see the pressure of the enemy trying to challenge what we call basic core values of the Bible. 
And people who do that don't even blink twice. We see a youth culture that's coming up today that doesn't even have the close value system of the core value. We see the minds of ministers changing in the world today of what might be politically correct or not politically correct. We don't often see the spirit of Billy Graham who believed that altar calls was the utopia of every service he ever had. He chose not to be politically correct, but he chose to sing songs like Just As I Am without one plea and people by the thousands flooded down to the front unashamed because the gospel message of Jesus Christ had been preached and they realized they needed a Savior. That kind of a spirit does not prevail in the majority of Christian services today. God, I thank you because I thank you because it's important for Christians to meet together, to worship together, and to believe God. And that God, we believe in commitment to the church, and we believe in the commitment in our giving and in our sacrifice, and we believe in the commitment of missions. Though the prevailing factor is let's make church as comfortable as we can for people and accommodate as much as we can, even the message, so that we can have the crowd. But Jesus, you had no problem having the crowd, and you were more concerned about preaching the truth and healing the sick, healing the infirmed, and as a result of that, people's lives were dramatically changed. I believe, I believe, God, that still matters. I pray for our nation that you would minister, touch the leadership of our nation. We pray for the president. We pray for the cabinet, what he has. Pray for the families. We pray for those that oppose. We pray for our enemies. We just pray for those who need truth, and we want to be the light. You might be in this room right now, and you're not right with Jesus. As a matter of fact, you've been quite angry while I was preaching Well, let me tell you, that anger is not a result of love. That anger is a result of resentment. Resentment. Do you know that Jesus loves you? Do you know that God has no qualm with you? That he sent his son to give his life for you before you ever even heard the name Jesus? He desired to redeem you. Do you know you can't get mad enough or resentful enough to shake him? Because he's not intimidated by the behavior of any man. He's not intimidated by the opinion of any man. He's God. He rules over life and death. That which is above and that which is below, he rules. So may I encourage you, we're going to pray this prayer. To take a step of faith. And ask God sincerely to come into your life. Shall we all pray together? Dear Jesus, Jesus, forgive me. me. I have sinned. sinned. 
I've been misbehaving. I've been misbehaving. I am angry. I am angry. I'm resentful. I'm resentful. I am critical. I'm critical. I am obnoxious. I'm obnoxious. And I need forgiveness. I need forgiveness. Father God, Father God, would you take my life? Would you take my life? Would you mold me? Would you mold me into the kind of person? Into the kind of person where I can have peace. Where I can have peace. Where there can be tranquility. Where, be tranquility, where I can have peace of mind. Peace of mind. And I can rid myself. I can rid myself by your, grace, by your grace of my sinful habits. My sinful habits. Help, me now Help me now to be a follower of, Jesus. A follower of Jesus. In your name I ask. In your name I ask. Amen. Amen. You prayed that prayer. That's for you. Somebody in this room, at least one. You can respond. If you need prayer, those who need prayer, maybe you need to stand in for somebody who's been rebellious in your family. It's running as hard as they can run. Don't get nervous about them. God's got a rope on them. They won't go anywhere he's not already been. There's no rock they're going to hide under that he's not already under. There's no height they're going to go to, but what he's not already there. He's God. Amen. If you need prayer, you come right now. And then I'll give the benediction. Stay with us, shall we? Here we go.